When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Uh, it is a Top of the Charts Tuesday. We play jams to reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. And my man Patrick doing a great job, as always. You can be a part of the show on the Specs text line, 512-337-3776. Specs text line uh, lit up with a lot of uh, <laughs> comments and responses to the Aaron Rodgers audio we played. Aaron Rodgers telling Pat McAfee that, yes, he will indeed be going on a darkness retreat for days isolated in darkness without any human contact or any sounds, no radios, no televisions, no telephones. Um, and he'll have somebody feeding him food through a a random like drawer, a slot or some some sort. Like basically what you what, what you see people fed through in a jail when they're in isolation. Exactly. When they're in isolation in jail, that's basically what it's gonna be fed through. They got a little hole in the door, they're gonna boom. They're gonna just shove the food in there and give them some water. And that's it. I don't know how he sees the bathroom, where the bathroom is, or the bucket in the room. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't like, want to be the I don't be the janitor is, after that. Does he have a nightlight? Can at least you gonna see where the bathroom is? You yeah, nightlight? exactly. You can see uh, the bathroom is. You know, all you gotta do is come down to Austin early February. <laughs> yeah. City of Austin, electricity, hook him up with that one. Yeah, you yeah, you can be without power. You got no light, no power, no nothing. Exactly. Um, but yeah, a lot of people uh, having comments about that. So uh, some people, here, I'll read a couple of these because you guys are in rare form. Um, so says he got to be hanging out with Ricky. Uh, you know what? Ricky might have participated in a darkness retreat before. Ricky's eccentric. We love Ricky, but Ricky's eccentric. He's very much so. Yeah, so I wouldn't doubt if Ricky's like, oh, I did. I do that uh, once once a year. <laughs> Annually, I do my darkness retreat. Um, someone says a lot of athletes that have their own blank, uh, but the dude can ball. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's like Kyrie Irving. Like, yeah, Kyrie's got a lot of stuff going on, but you accept the Kyrie Irving, you know, uh, theatrics because everybody knows Kyrie Irving is a damn good basketball player when he's focused. Um, someone said I had a patient who was going to a purging retreat. That's some weird ish out there that people claim works. It's anecdotal, but to each their own. Yeah, a lot of stuff is placebo effect. Yeah. Like yeah. you think it works, so it works. Well, I don't know if it actually has any, you know, tangible proof that it works. But if you think if you think something works, it works. No doubt. Yeah. That's always my guess. If you think it works for you, it works. If it if it makes you feel like you got more energy in the morning, then it works for you. Period. Now, I will say it does seem weird to voluntarily mm. go into solitary confinement. Like this is a penalty mm. in prison, and then we're just gonna be like, well, you know what the penalty was? The lights are always on, so we'll just turn them off the whole time. 
and then it's basically the exact same thing as what they do when you're bad in bed. Exactly. Put them in a hole. If you've read books about people in solitary confinement or who've done time in prison, they do say there is some type of um, spiritual, like, um, I don't know, kind of, kind of spiritual experience. That you can reach in there by yourself if you are able to meditate and do that because you are totally alone. Yeah. And I don't know if it's quiet in there because I don't know if prison's that quiet anywhere, <laughs> even in solitary confinement. But uh, there have been people who talks about, yeah, I mean, they have not religious or spiritual experiences. Just doing that kind of stuff, being that isolated. When was the last time in your life you were that isolated other than being in the womb? That's what I'm saying. Like, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about that type of sensory deprivation where... You know, you in, maybe you can come to some type of spiritual mental clarity that you've never been able to realize because there's always freaking noise everywhere you go. Have you ever been more than three hours without any sound or anything? Even when you sleep, there's something. Your wife is probably snoring. Whatever it is, like that's never no, that, really that, happened. That'll be me. That's what I'm saying. Like it's it's so I <laughs> I respect it for the fact that yeah. you know go experiment on it because I've if you can get some type of spiritual enlightenment that way go ahead. Yes, it's weird and eccentric, but yeah. honestly, we broke down everything that all of us did. I guarantee we could identify four to five very weird eccentric things. We go, man, you do that all the time. That's weird. So he definitely is the <laughs> true guy that is walking around saying. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Because <laughs> he is definitely by himself. He is. Like I said, yeah. I, yeah. Someone says, uh, blind Longhorn fan says, come on, Rod. Blind people find the bathroom just fine every day. That is true. Very true. I, I will yeah, tell you. Good point. That, and that's impressive okay. because the main thing I find in the dark is uh, something to stub my toe on. Exactly. Yep. Find that. Whatever. If I've ever left a cup near an edge of a table, that's coming off. Yep. <laughs> that is things I found in the dark. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen, I, it, ain't, it ain't necessarily my thing, but I'm not going to knock it. Um, yeah. The ayahuasca. Is it going to be getting high while in the dark? Because that could be a problem. That could be He's going to be sober. Because you can't be getting high while you're also trying to you know, figure life isolated out. Yeah. in the dark. Dude, you could have some real weird experiences. You don't want weird. You want enlightening. So he says when he's done with that, though, he's going to let you guys know exactly what he decides about his future career. That's that. that it just seems like it. I know. Look, OK. It just seems like that is just so Aaron Rodgers. But it is. It is one of those things. He was asked a question is the only reason why we were knowledgeable of it. Right. Yes. So that I'll, I'll leave it at that. He could have said no comment. I'm not ready to make a decision. I I will talk about it when I'm done doing what I'm doing. He we didn't have to know that he was ISO. That's why there were so many questions. That is why AJ Hawk and Pat McAfee, and we all know Pat McAfee's out on the reservation half the time too. But he was really trying to figure out like what are you doing? Like what is going on with you that you have you feel like this is the best antidote? For you to go out and do this. Well, because he had one successful spiritual journey. Remember, he had the yep, ayahuasca yep, trip, yep, yep, and yep. didn't he win MVP like after the ayahuasca trip? So, and he said he felt the, what do you say? He felt the love of 100,000 hands touching him all maybe, at one time. Maybe that's why he's in this? there, because he don't think there are going to be this? people in that room that he yeah. don't want us to know. So, I, you know, I think, he, yeah. I think he's, like I said, he's searching for something. Yeah. And if you are not searching for something, because most people see him as a very successful person. He's got money, yep. um, that he's one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and people want him to be um, 
to, to be searching for a championship. They want him nope. to be on the the endless uh, you know search and for him to be obsessed with winning championships and being a Hall of Fame quarterback. And the truth is, I don't think he's obsessed with that. He's not. I think he is looking for some type of other higher meaning, purpose, or satisfaction that football cannot bring him. And yeah, I, I think fair. honestly, he's. I think he's fine with his career ending just the way it is right now. I don't think he's he cares about winning another title or another. MVP. No, he really doesn't. He cares he about the MVP. And it, he says, "I'm I'm still able to go out and win an MVP." He said, "I can win it," but he didn't say he didn't say it mattered to him. He said, no. "I can win it. I can win." It. He's saying, I'm, "I'm that good. I can still do it." But it, I don't think it matters to him, and I think it bothers us that it doesn't matter more to him. Yeah. It's like Ricky Williams, right? It always bothered everybody that Ricky didn't love the game as much as we loved it for Ricky. Right. Remember, Ricky always said, like, I didn't really love football as much as everybody loved it for me. Everybody yeah. wanted me to play because I was really good at it. He wanted but to play baseball. He wanted, well, he wanted to do yeah, what he wanted yeah, to do. Yeah, he just wanted yeah. to do what he wanted to do, unencumbered, unattached. I'm Ricky. I decided to make a decision. This is what I want to do. And he was before his time because the NFL now has kind of you know modernized their policy on marijuana and yeah. THC and all that kind of stuff. But – you know, he Ricky never he was never obsessed with being the greatest running back of all time, which he had a chance to be. Yeah. Like he was that physically gifted, but Ricky, there were other things that mattered more in Ricky's life. Yeah. Than football. And I think for Aaron Rodgers or some of that was like I, football doesn't matter that much to me. Yeah. Like I don't you love it for me cuz I'm really good at it, but I don't love it like you love it. Yeah. That's I think, fair. And I think that bothers all of us. Yeah. We want him to be, to love the game. If you're that good at it, why wouldn't you want to be the best at it? He's like, I, I've been good at it. Yeah. This is, I've been the best at it. I've satisfied my, you know yeah. what I mean, whatever my I've expectation is. I've been the best is. at it. I got awards for it. Yeah, and we want him, even at 38, to still be chasing it. And I think for him, he's like, no, I'm done chasing that. I'm going to chase other things. There's oh. other things in my life that I want to chase. And we're saying, you can do that when you're retired. And he's saying, no, I'm doing it now. Well, that's kind of like where we were with Tom Brady. His obsession of the game was something that we're judging Aaron Rodgers exactly. on because we're you're looking at it and saying <laughs> both of you guys are at the top of your game still but one is obsessed with it lost his family because of it come on now and one is like no nah, I'm good I'll okay. just go out here and hang in a in a hole and y'all just <laughs> feed me through these wires yeah I guess yeah. That, that that does make sense yeah, he doesn't have the competitive sickness and I think you know for us that's it's perplexing, yep. but he's perfectly fine and satisfied, I think, chasing a higher purpose in his life that has nothing to do with football. Yeah. And for Tom, like you said, it's interesting watching real time comparing it to Tom Brady, whose entire legacy and essence seems to be wrapped around the Obsessed game of football. With it. And we, we, which we love. Yeah. Which makes it, we, we, in more Which endearing, his wife did not. Which his wife did not. Yeah. And, and, and Rodgers ain't even got a wife. Yeah. Right, that's so that's about, why he's able to do it too. I say, hey, I don't got nobody to report to. I go do what I want to do. So I'm now gonna get all of this out of the way before I do decide to do something else. I would love to. Say, I, I, we don't know what Aaron Rodgers is like, obviously off the field, because you know we just get these little snippets. But I, I there are reports that he's not close to his family. There are reports that he's not. You know that he. He cycles through kind of Hollywood starlets in relationships, which, hey, man, good for you. Enjoy that player. Yeah, if you could do it, hey, man, good for you. But um, And also there are discussions that his teammates aren't that close with him either. Yeah. Um, If that is the case, then I wonder if him continually searching for something with these spiritual experiences or whatever is him just kind of searching for connection 
Yep. And, you know, and maybe he just doesn't have enough human connection in his life. I don't know. True. I'm trying to True. psychoanalyze him. I'm not Blackman uh, Freud here. Yeah, you might anyway, be. let's get into Texas basketball. But that was an interesting uh, soundbite there from Aaron Rodgers. All right, Texas basketball losing to Kansas uh, last night. And it was a disappointing performance by Texas basketball. Not that, you know, they're still leading the Big 12, by the way. So it's yep. not that this uh, Texas team is underachieving or anything. But I think we have identified what is a character flaw. With Texas basketball, they, these slow starts have become, I don't know if they're an issue because they've actually had double-digit comebacks and won even with the slow starts. But it is something that has uh, become a pattern. Yeah. It, is, it is a trend now, a clear trend. And if you want to call that a character flaw of the team, you can. We're being nitpicky because this is a really good team. But that's part of the reason they lost this game 88-80. to They dug themselves in such a big hole. It's really hard to fight back from that deficit. You're expending all that energy, uh, making the adjustments schematically, uh, personnel-wise, and then battling back on the road against a really good Kansas team. They just didn't have enough juice to do it. Yeah, and that, that's the part, too, where you start looking at this team. They were down. 42-35 at the half, never led at all during this game. Uh, they had a scoring run of eight, and they didn't lead at all. So when you start looking at this team and you try to figure out, okay, what's, what is happening most of all? And it's the slow start. There's no doubt about it. But one of the things that was troubling for me yesterday was the fact that they gave up 24 points on fast break. That means you're not getting back in transition. That means that you are not stopping the ball as soon as it starts going. You're not making them work to get baskets. You are just giving up easy buckets. 24 points off a fast break. That's a lot. That is, that is way too much, and that was totally out of character for what they have done throughout the season. So for me, when you start looking at where, where are some of the issues, yes, obviously the slow start. But getting back on defense, man, what in the world makes you think it's not okay? And I give Kansas props for this because they obviously saw something on the scouting report to make that happen. And when they did get it to to happen early, they went after it often. So for me, the Texas Longhorns, when they get back and they start breaking down this film and they start looking at it, transition defense is one of the number one priorities that I think they need to address immediately. Yeah, uh, that was one of the things. I think turnovers is also something that hurt this team um, a ton early on in the game, and that's something that's also been part of the the pattern when this team has a slow start is the turnovers early on in the game. Uh, and I think this game, and they clean it up in the second half. They do have the stretches where they clean it up and they make their adjustments. That's what I like about Coach Terry and about the team. You know, these issues that we talk about, they have shown the ability to rectify them real time in the game, whether it be with the halftime adjustments, the video segments they use, so they can do it real time in the game and make the big comeback. They didn't in this game, but we've seen it before. Or the bounce back after a loss. That's why they haven't had back-to-back losses. So that's what I like about Rodney Terry. So the optimistic view of the loss is they haven't really allowed any of these negative traits about the team or any of their limitations to come back to bite them on a and, and turn into a bad stretch of basketball where they're losing back-to-back games. Yeah, and that was the one thing that Patrick was talking about this week is with this tough stretch, you can't lose back-to-back games, and they didn't. 
You know, they went two and two. We expected them. We wanted to at least have a split because it was a tough road to hoe. And they're still, like you said, Rod, at the very beginning, they're still in first place. Yep. They're in first place in the Big 12, which is one of the, if not the toughest conference to perform in. So I'm I, I'm optimistic that all of this is going to be adjusted and they're going to come out and play well on Saturday morning, 11 a.m., big game. Um, but to me, the one thing that they definitely need to work on is cutting down the turnovers and, of course, getting in transition on defense. I need that to stop because I'm going to take it as a one-off, but 24 points is way too much. If you cut that in half, you win the game. Yeah, because they were getting all easy buckets. And as I said earlier, if I told you that Jalen Wilson only had two points in this game and they shot two of ten from three-point land, you would think Texas won this game by a landslide. But what they did do, they kept attacking the rim. When they were missing mm-hmm. those shots, they kept getting foul shots. They went 22 of 28 from the free throw line, and that ended up being the difference in the game. Yeah, no, you're right about that. It's um, for Texas coming up. And we all said before this four-game stretch that we thought 2-2 two and two would yep. be perfectly acceptable for this Texas basketball team. Because of who they were playing. Because of who they were playing. Yep, right? You yep, talk yep. about top 11 teams, yep. four in a row. <clears throat> They're 2-2. Two and two. Yep. And Patrick wanted a team that didn't lose back-to-back, still haven't lost back-to-back games all season long. So they're right where they need to be. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're also leading the Big 12. Now it's about correcting these obvious issues and rectifying them and then playing your best basketball and trying to close out the Big 12 season really strong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just go into these next three games. I, I, I think your goal in these next three games is looking at it and saying, let's play 40 minutes. You know, yep. I, I get against Kansas. I get against yep. some of these other teams. It's hard to play 40 minutes because they're going to go on runs. It throws you off. Hey, let's go in these games and play 40-minute games because they're winnable games. We are the better team. Let's go play 40-minute games because we've just seen it. They, times where they're just not mentally focused, their mind's not in the right place. And, I mean, I'll give credit to Bill Self. He coached a good game that when Texas made their runs and came back, he would found ways to change up what Kansas was doing and attack Texas in different ways. And that kind of helped make the difference is Texas would shift its defense and then – Kansas would respond within the game and they could go on another 8-0 run until Texas would shift back and Texas just doesn't have an offense that you can really overly destroy somebody unless everyone is hitting threes on the perimeter. Right. That's a good point. Um, and so we're being nitpicky by the way for the, for those who think maybe we're just you know criticize being too critical, overly critical about this team. We understand how good this team is after going 2-2 two and two through the last four games, the toughest stretch of the schedule, I think it's fair to say you, sh- you should have high expectations for this team. Yeah, and for you, sure. And you're going to make a deep run in the tournament. Got to find a way to start faster, um, to have better starts, p- period, so you don't end up at, you know, playing from a deficit or playing from behind so much. But you do have belief that you can do it, that you have to, if you have to come back from double digits, that you can do it because you did it uh, multiple times in Big 12 play. And, you know, I think the smaller, more specific items, um, Patrick brought up rebounding, which is inconsistent with this team. Turnovers early on, that's a problem for this team. And, you know, other than that, 
the defensive lapses in, in, in transition. I mean, we're being really nitpicky about the small things, but that's what's going to keep you from making a, a run in the tournament. Yeah. You are a team that, that has shown you got a high ceiling, but it, it'll be those potential flaws that are going to hold you back. Yeah, and, and for, for <laughs> the game to play the way that it, it played out the way that it played out last night, they came yeah. back. They tried to get there. There was a shot that Marcus close, Carr yeah. took that you thought that they were about to take the league. It mm. came up short. And they went back down. Kansas went back down, got a big bucket. Like I said, they've been spending most of their time at the free throw line, and Jalen Wilson wasn't even a factor. But you also got to look at it this way. Mm. McCuller, Kevin McCuller, who used to play for, for uh, Texas Tech, he was 10 of 13 from the free throw line. Yeah. He was attacking the rim. They were making the adjustments. And Texas wasn't doing that. They kept settling for mid-range and jump shots, and, and they they were 6 of 19 yeah. from three-point land, and they just kept jacking it up, jacking it up. When you know and you saw the game was being called a certain type of way, you needed to keep attacking the rim, and they just didn't do that. So there were some opportunities that Texas had that they kind of missed. Um Tyrese Hunter, we've been talking about him quite a bit, and he's just yeah. his inconsistency is so much. And then the fact that he didn't help on the defensive end. What did I say yesterday? He was getting easy buckets because he was playing good defense. Mm-hmm. Well, last night he got outplayed by the other team's point guard, and you can't have that, especially if you're not shooting the ball at a very high clip. And I know everybody keeps talking about Marcus Carr. On the defensive side, Marcus, he does get into that point where he, he does look like he's becoming a liability, but that was because he's playing so much on the defensive, I mean, on the offensive side so much of the energy. ball. Yeah. yeah, but some of that is on him, too. I mean, get up off the ball and work with work without the ball because, again, last night he was getting to that point again. Yes, he was shooting up all the mm-hmm. shots, but I keep looking at it, and I'm like, get off the ball for a minute, man. You can take a break on the offensive side sometimes. Because that is where I prefer you take a break. Mm-hmm. I prefer you to take a break on the offensive side and exert yourself on the defensive end, especially when you have some other guys that are scoring buckets. Every once That's in a true. while, it's okay for you to not be the one to have the ball in your hand the entire time, 15 seconds into the shot clock. Sometimes, hey, let some other people go to work and get ready to play some defense too. That's a great point. Yeah, um, and – I. Yeah, Marcus Carr, I mean, he was 29 points, so um, he was most of the offense last yeah, night. No but doubt. you're right, he can he can work off the ball, too. That's a great point. Because Sergio Barry Rice makes good decisions with the basketball, so he can be a guy that can handle the rock for you, uh, really conduct the offense um, while he's playing off the ball. And he's, I mean, he's he can score in so many different ways. Yeah, Marcus for sure. Ray. He can create his own buckets, uh, but I'm with you. I think offensively um, he can't allow somebody else, especially when Timmy, Timmy Allen had a good game, too, and Timmy yep. Allen can handle the rock yep. at times and the offense can work through Timmy. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. So, Texas, disappointing loss to Kansas, uh, but they're still atop of the Big 12 standings right now. It is the slimmest of uh, big tw- of leads in the Big 12, but still, that's what matters. And the Big 12 women, are they also atop of the Big 12? They are. They, they're number one in the I Big 12 so. as well. Man, yes, they man. are. Shout out to the ladies as yeah. well. Uh, yeah, Texas basketball representing for both the women and the men. All right, we come back. We'll get into Raj Ram today. We have and talk Super Bowl, so let's do that in Rod's round today. Let's get a little Super Bowl discussion in. Obviously, as the week rolls on, we'll dive deeper and deeper into the matchup, but let's talk about the big game coming up right here on Ball Don't Line, wonderful number. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God. Okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. Oh, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Rod's Rant of the Day. And uh, since we're talking about the big game coming up this weekend, um, we got to let you know about our terrific sponsor that helps us with our big game coverage. The Horns Big Game Coverage is brought to you by Texas Truck and Trailer, located in Leander on Crystal Falls Parkway and in Northeast Austin at I-35 and Runberg. Call Texas Truck and Trailer at 512-528-6038. That's 528-6038. All right, let's get into uh, some big game uh, discussion breakdown here about the Chiefs and the Eagles. One of the things I just can't get out of my mind, and I've been starting this, you know, this breakdown going down the rabbit hole, and I brought this up earlier, either this week or maybe I brought it up last week. But look at the Chiefs. One thing you got to give props to the Chiefs about has been their ability to rebuild certain position groups on their team. They essentially devote an entire offseason or an entire draft to just one position and remake it in one offseason. They did it with the O-line right after the Super Bowl. Remember they yep. had all the injuries on the O-line. Bucks, you know, dominated them, made Patrick Mahomes look pedestrian, which yeah, is hard he, to do. Yeah, he was beat right up. He was beat up, and yep. then they basically re, they revamped and re, uh, overhauled the entire offensive line at offseason. Now their offensive line is set for the next know, five to six years. Offensive line is kind of like, uh, I, I love using Tom Herman's Golden Gate Bridge analogy because he always said that, you know, rebuilding the, he, he compared it to a program, but I use it for the O-line. Rebuilding an O-line to me is kind of like repainting the Golden Gate Bridge. By the time you're done, you got you to gotta start all over again. So when you're done revamping the O-line, you might as well go back to where you started and just say, all right, we need to draft another backup tackle or guard or wherever you started because that's really what a, you know, a monumental task uh, you're undertaking. But anyway, I digress. The Chiefs, they did this with their secondary recently. They did it with their O-line. They did with their, they'll do it with their probably their wide receiver position next year because wide receiver position, they just, yep. is, they're money-balling it right now uh, with Juju Smith-Schuster, Kadarius Tony, McCole Hardman's not even going to be able to start that game. He's on IR now. Um, but they did this offseason. They drafted. Here's their, here's their draft. I'll just give you their draft and where these guys ended up playing for them. They ended up drafting key starters or role players with – at least six picks in their draft. It's crazy. Uh, McDuffie is a starter they drafted in the first round. Karloftis is a starter they drafted him in the first round. Uh, second round, they drafted B. Cook. He's a nickel safety. They drafted uh, Sky Moore. Now, he's their wide receiver punt return. They have a big punt return in their last game, too. Um, uh, Williams is a starter for them. They drafted him in the fourth round. Um, Watson, starter, seventh round. And Pacheco, Pacheco is a starter for them. Um, they drafted him in the seventh round, too. They had t- so, I mean, they... They're hitting on a lot of their picks. These guys are going to be starters for them. I am not really sure how much confidence I have in all the rookies they're starting on defense. They're going to start five rookies on defense, basically. Four rookie DBs as primary defenders. Now, they're getting back 
uh, Sneed. Sneed, yeah. They're getting back him, I believe, right? He's coming back. And that's big for him. Louisiana Tech. Yeah, no, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that where he's from? Because they got so. so much inexperience back there. Four rookie DBs as primary rotational players. Mm. Rookies. Like I said, the last time that's happened, 1981-49ers. Ronnie Lott, by the way, last time a rookie was an all-pro. And Sauce Gardner just did it. So the last time it happened was 1981. You had three rookies on that 1981 49ers team who were primary players uh, in that secondary. But, man, that's – but the Chiefs have four. Trent McDuffie, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson, and Brian Cook. That scares me. Mm. I'm not going to lie. That really scares me. I, I, I'm concerned about the – now, they played great, and they're playing better and better toward the end of the year. But this, this, this is going to be a big game anyway for teams who haven't had a lot of experience. And by the way, this is going to work against the Eagles because the Eagles have never been here before. Right. The, Not the, this group of guys. Yeah, the Chiefs have. Yeah. Hey, they've been here. They've won. They've been here and lost. They're going to be pretty relaxed in these Super Bowl you know, chaos and <laughs> the, just the extravaganza that it's all become. Um, but just on the field, though, I think they're going if to – if I am the Eagles, I start my game plan attacking those rookies. And I think the Chiefs know that. I think Spagnola knows that. Yeah. So he's got to protect those rookies, and protecting those rookies could leave you vulnerable in other places. That's my concern. Spagnola is uh, he's a veteran. He's been around. He he's is, seen, he's, he's seen pretty much everything that you can see in this game. So I'm wondering if, to your point, he's already got played that through mm-hmm. his mind. And maybe he's been talking to Andy Reid. How would you attack our team? When, mm-hmm. when you're looking at us as these young players. But it, it's going to go a lot to their veteran leadership as well because they do have some guys up front that have been around the game and, as your point is, played in the game a lot. So it's going to be interesting to see how they attack that. Yeah, and they've played a lot of press coverage. Um, mm-hmm. Kansas City aligned in press coverage 44% of the time on the widest receiver, so you're what do we call the number one receiver, the one that's closest to the sideline. That's second highest rate in the NFL. This is seventh season that Kansas City has been in the top five of press coverage rate and top two in four seasons under Spagnola. So Spagnola likes to play press coverage. Now, you're going to play press coverage with your rookie corners, your Mm -hmm. rookie DBs against A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. Um, A.J. Brown averaging a career-high 4.5 yards per route run versus press coverage. And he is second in the NFL in receiving yards versus man coverage. And Devontae Smith is third in receiving yards in the NFL versus man coverage. Nobody beats man coverage like A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith do a really good job of, especially press man coverage. Kansas City loves press man coverage, but they're rookie DBs. They got a lot of faith in. I wonder who's going to end up winning that matchup. That's going to be big for Philadelphia. Philadelphia should win that matchup. If Philadelphia's not winning that matchup against rookie DBs, yeah. then things may shift in uh, favor of uh, Kansas City in this matchup because that's one of the advantages, that it, one of the many advantages I think that Philadelphia has going into this matchup. Now, Kansas City has used a lot of dime defense. Now, they love their young DB to the point where they use six, six, seven DBs. They've used six defensive backs, dime package, 30% of their plays in four of the last five games. Now, in the first 14 games, they only used dime package uh, more than 30% in three of those 14 games. But in four of the last five games, they went upwards of 30%. So they're using a lot more DBs on the field, and they're really just depending on Chris Jones up front to be a war daddy and get him aligned yeah. in one-on-one pass 
you know, pass blocking situations. And there's probably not an old lineman, not many, maybe maybe four or five in a league that can hang with Chris Jones in a one on one blocking situation, interior or outside line. Yeah, he's matter. a problem. Yeah. He's a problem. But I can say the same thing for Hassan Reddick. As well on the other side of the ball. So I agree with you. This is going to be the battle of the line as a scrimmage. And to your point about the young DBs and where they're going to be, I think a lot of that has to do with the guys up front. You, how do you how do you take some of the pressure off of him? Mm-hmm. Get to the quarterback. Yeah. Change the way he has to think. Uh, he may want to attack him deep, or he may want to attack them across the middle. But if somebody's busting him in the face as soon as he drops back, this might be something totally different. Yeah, I'm totally I'm with you on 100. percent And you know, one of the things I'm worried about if you're you know picking Philadelphia in this game is Jalen Hurts. Now, Jalen Hurts has had a phenomenal season. Yep. So. It's just, you know, the matchup against Kansas City as of late. His last four starts, 60% completion percentage, barely. Yeah. I mean, he's barely at 60%. Still coming off that injury, too. So. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the kind of that's the point I want to make. Yep. Two touchdowns, three interceptions, 75 passer rating, 6.8 mm-hmm. yards per attempt, and he hasn't rushed for 40-plus yards in a game since week 15. Yeah, that changes this week, though. I'm assuming because it's, it's, yeah. it's all or nothing, right? Yeah, there so, is no tomorrow. But he hasn't been really an effective passer right. in that time span either. He's struggled as a passer in that time span. Do you think it's because defenses are adjusting to him a little bit? No question. Yeah. No question. Because, you know, we talk about it numerous times. Once they start getting film on you, things start to change and they start setting up where they saw other teams have success. They start mm-hmm. implementing it with their guys because, obviously, they think their guys are better anyway. So they want to put it in, a, in the right way. But one of the things, I know you got some more to get into, but one thing I wanted to point out as well, you, were, you pointed this out to me earlier this year. The biggest question that I'm going to have is – are the Philadelphia Eagles going to be that second quarter team mm, yeah. like they have been the entire season? Mm. That's going to be the the the, the separator, yeah. right? That's where they made their mark, it is. and that's when they started breaking away from teams. Was that second quarter? But they haven't been as effective here lately. Going back to what you're saying about the no, stats, but they did in the playoffs, basically in the playoffs. They've gotten way better now, right? In the playoffs, yeah. it seems like wherever Jalen Hurts is there, they have they can have that second quarter surge. They essentially at one point, I haven't followed it up. I'll do the research maybe tonight. They were the greatest second quarter team in the history of the NFL. Essentially, their second quarter was better than any other team's quarters ever yep. in the NFL. Their second quarter was the best quarter of any team's quarters I in the history of the NFL. I made a little change from that because you, yeah. you gave me that stat was and I was crazy. like, oh, I'm going to start following that. Um, and they, they really, but they haven't been a four-quarter team, is right. your point. It's right. like, you no, know, no, if they don't have that second quarter you know, blowout, then usually it becomes a dogfight for yep, them. For sure. You can stay in it with Philly uh, if they don't end up knocking you out, cold-cocking you in that second quarter. <laughs> right. So that's going to be right. That's a great point to bring up. about. And Kansas City can keep up with you. They can keep up with you. That's Kansas who they City are. Kansas can keep up with you. And yeah. here's, here's the thing that I wanted to put out, too, and I saw this on ESPN because they had the ESPN analytics. This is crazy because both teams are 16-3. and three. Mm. Both teams have scored 546 points. It's crazy. Both teams have six all-pro players and both teams are 50-50 to win the Super Bowl. Unheard of. Yeah, Unheard of. It is uh, I'm with you like I'm I'm pretty split. Uh, yeah. I say I'm leaning one way I made my pick yet, but listen, Patrick Mahomes, picking against Patrick Mahomes is just not a smart pick. Yep. It's just it's <laughs> not, it doesn't do well picking, for you. Picking against Patrick Mahomes yep. and Andy Reid is just not smart. And like I said, I think Philly has every advantage except head coach, quarterback, and tight end. Yep. 
but those may be all the advantages you need. No doubt. You got one of the best head coaches in NFL history, one of the best young quarterbacks in his prime in NFL history. going to be well-rested, by the way, with the high-ankle sprain. Yeah, I'm tired and, of people asking him about his ankle. I'm oh, like, he's this gonna dude be fine. is ready to go. He's going to be fine. Two yeah. extra weeks, he's going to be fine. They do sure. all, all types of witch, <laughs> witchcraft. He's hanging out with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he got his foot in that, that cave. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. That ankle's going to be fine. Um, but, yeah, picking against those guys, you know, Patrick Mahomes in his prime, and then Kelsey, his favorite target, mm-hmm. also a Hall of Fame tight end. You're talking about three Hall of Famers. Yep. Yep. Three Hall of Famers. I know the Eagles got some Hall of Famers on their team, but do they have Hall of Famers at the, at the most positions. important positions? Yeah. Yeah. Head coach, QB. And yeah. then, oh, who's the QB's best friend? Oh, that tight end right there. He's a Hall of Famer, too. Wide open. That worries me a little bit. And I'll give you one stat before we get out of here because I know we're up against it. Third, This is how good Patrick Mahomes and that Kansas City offense is. And by the way, they lost Tyreek Hill. Didn't miss a beat. Nope. Arguably better statistically than they were last Adjusted. year. Just amazing. Yep. With wide receiver by committee. Who the hell this these days has wide receiver by committee? <laughs> we just had this offseason was the inflation offseason of wide receiver position when nine of the ten, top ten highest paid receivers all signed their contracts. Right. And yet the Chiefs went the opposite. They zigged and everybody else zagged and went, now. Nah, we got the guy quarterback. We, and we got, got a quarterback. quarterback. We'll That's just right. do, we'll get a bunch of Jags and Jabronis and we'll make it work. And they did, by yep. the way. Yep. Third and long, which is seven plus yards to go. The the toughest situation to be in offensively in football. Third and long, right? It's the only time the odds flip in favor of the defense. You go look at this. Kansas City, they're converting right now. Third and long, seven plus yards to gain to a four first down. 42.9% conversion rate. The second highest in the NFL in the last 20 years. Yeah. Only the New Orleans Saints in 2011 have a higher third and long conversion rate than the Kansas City Chiefs. Wow. In the last 20 years. Wow. Damn. Oh, man. On third and 10 plus yards to go, how about this? 43%. They're actually a higher, <laughs> higher conversion rate on third and 10 plus yards to go than they are on third and seven plus yards to go. That's the best in the NFL, by the way. The NFL average on third and long, 19%. Mm. They're at 43%. There you go. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's, Kansas City's offense is on another level, man. It's a different level. And, can't, and Philadelphia, as great as it is, they ain't seen nothing like Patrick Mahomes. No. Nobody has until you do. Until you, until you hey, recognize me when you <laughs> see me. That's exactly. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, this is the best team that Philadelphia has faced, and this is the best team that Kansas City has Correct. faced. It's a beautiful thing. That's why they both have been the top of the charts <laughs> since the beginning of the year. So definitely since the halfway point. Yeah. We all started trending in that direction. We said it about Philadelphia. And when you, you just laid it out there, when you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Travis Kelsey, and, of course, Andy Reid. That's what the table's been set for. Yeah. Oh, yeah. man, I cannot wait. This going to be one of those this Super Bowls where oh, I'm going to be so sad if it doesn't live up to the the billing and the expectations. Because right now – You mean like the Denver Broncos game where they snapped the ball over Peyton Manning's head to start the game And the off, game was over from there. And the game was the over. The game was over from that point yeah. on? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember I, we got so much food for that game. We had, gum, <laughs> we had gumbo, wings, ribs. Because mm-hmm. we thought it was going to be like an all-time mm-hmm. great. It was the best offense in the NFL versus the best defense. Like, it's going to be an all-time great Super Bowl. And it wasn't. It, it wasn't was even horrible. Close. Yes. I am praying it doesn't be. I, I don't care what who wins. I just want a good game. I think we'll get that. I think we will, too. I think we'll get that. All right, we come back. We'll talk about Matthew McConaughey, who may be taking over for Kevin Costner. What? Right here on Ball Don't Lie, one of them on the horn.
All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. Top of the charts Tuesday. We play jams to reach the top of the Billboard charts on this day in history. I know we're up against it, so I'll be quick here. We'll roll off the record. Uh, so Matthew McConaughey is back in the news for two reasons. Uh, first, he, they're saying he being reported he might join the Yellowstone franchise. McConaughey news item um, that hit the headlines today, according to Deadline and The Hollywood Reporter, uh, neither of which named a source, uh, says that Matthew McConaughey is in talks to star in a franchise extension of the wildly popular Paramount TV show. A spokesman for the network told media outlets that Matthew McConaughey is a phenomenal talent with whom we'd love to partner. The reports come amid rumors that Yellowstone may be coming to an end, possibly due to star Kevin Costner's shooting schedule. Yeah. How about that? Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also it says that Matthew McConaughey, who didn't have a movie, no project at all in 2022, just kind of took a break from things, um, that he is set to voice over an Elvis animated series on Netflix called Agent Elvis, where basically Elvis is a secret agent as well as a rock and roll legend. What? It's kind of how... It's kind of like you think about Craig Way all the time, right? Well, <laughs> is, it, is it based off the fact that he got like an honorary sheriff's badge from one of the presidents? I know he got a badge from I somebody. I do remember that, yeah. Yeah, there's I, this I've thing where they were like, you're so influential, and he just wanted to have it, and so he had it, but then he used to whip it out all the time, and he's like, ah, I'm... I'm you know, yeah, like, dude, that be. has you, no actual power. You might be right about that. Yeah, because I... Honestly, because I... There, you ever seen the movie? Because I'll watch any bad movie. Good, bad movie, or bad, bad movie. Doesn't matter. Um, Link, you ever seen Lincoln Vampire Hunter? Like oh, no, but I remember when it you came out. This? Yeah, yeah. This kind of reminds me of, like, they basically, they basically took Abraham Lincoln in some alternate universe uh, and basically decided to make him a vampire hunter who also was, you know, trying to run for office at the same time. So, yeah, that's basically what this animated series is about. And, yes, you could do a show about Craig Way. Yeah, the secret agent, but also the play-by-play voice of the local. Well, I'm looking at this uh, little teaser of this Agent Elvis. Oh, and, you saw it? And it kind of looks like. Uh, have you seen? Have y'all watched Archer? Yeah, I've seen it. I haven't watched. That's it. what, I'm, FX, that's what right? I'm thinking. It. Yeah, On that's FX. what I'm thinking. When I see this, that's what I think of it as. Yeah, because it's got to be a. I hope it's adult version, like an adult. They cartoon. just said, oh, for sure. They Should said it's rated. definitely going to be profanity laced. Okay, that's good then. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Yeah. I, do you guys still watch? You have to watch cartoons. You have kids. I do. Um, you ever watch cartoons on your own? Still as an adult? Oh yeah. Do you ever? Oh yeah. You do? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm into like, the DC like comics and like the Marvel comic anime. My wife will come in and I'll be watching the cartoon. She's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm watching an entertainment program <laughs> yeah. on television. It's just animated." Sorry. I, I've got hooked on Big City Greens and I watch Bo- Bo- uh, Boondocks. Boom. Oh, yeah, I used to watch Boone Dodge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And of course, yeah. The Simpsons and Family oh, Guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Family South Guy Park. used to be at Cleveland. South Park. I love me some. The Cleveland Show. <laughs> Cleveland Show. Yeah, King of the Hill, of yeah, course. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, you can still watch cartoons. There's nothing wrong with that. No doubt. Um, all right, uh, we'll come back. We'll get into last segment of the show, actually. Mark Cuban speaking out for the first time about the Kyrie Irving trade and LeBron James. LeBron James. LeBron James. Will he make history tonight? We'll discuss it right here on Ball Don't Lie, 104.9 The Horn.